welcome to the Popcorn Talk Network. For the online broadcast network that features movie discussion, news, and interviews, press one. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. From the Popcorn Talk Network, the online broadcast network for movie talk, and the schmoes know, this is Meet the Movie Press. Roundtable movie news and commentary from the industry's premier film journalists. Good morning, Schmoville. <laughs> and welcome I, to Meet the Movie Press. I am your loyal co-host, Jeff Snyder from TheRap.com. Mark Riley is out today, but we are very fortunate to have as a co-host, Mr. Josh Dickey at Notorious JLD from Mashable. Welcome, Josh. Thank you very much. It's nice to be back. No, no sound effect on applause there, Steve? <laughs> there we go. Thank you. We're very lucky, very lucky to have him today. Um, so yeah, what's what's going on? What's cracking? I mean, you tell me, man. It's Friday, and what what are you gonna, what big scoop are you going to drop on me at Friday at five forty five? That seems to be your right, favorite just, thing to just do. Just to keep you working a little bit later on the weekend. That's like <laughs> that's a you know old school trick. Yeah, I, I yeah the old the old scoop dump at five forty five six o'clock to get your weekend off wrong. No, I mean look, I you know we need some big movie news. It's been a while since we've had anything. like It was a crazy really week, big. I thought. Yeah, there, there was, was a, lot, a lot of big stuff. There was a lot of stuff, but I mean, like a Ben Affleck is Batman bomb. That's what we need. That's, oh, okay. that's what we're waiting on. I, I feel like that. Or I think it's coming very soon. Oh, okay. Just so we're clear. Not that I was trying to tease whether, that out or anything. whether it's Spider Man or Captain Marvel or whatever. I think. Um, I had read the Captain Marvel is being cast soon stuff too. Right, we'll get into all that good yeah. stuff, but uh, before we hit the movie news hard, you know, we, we this is Meet the Movie Press, and we have not met you on this show yet. Uh, you know, we 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 we're paying for Josh's Uber for all the way from downtown. <laughs> I promise you, we will reimburse you for that. I've been on the Schmoes show. I think I got them to upgrade their hats. I think that was my <laughs> okay. legacy here. Was that uh, we went from the yeah, the janky uh, baseball bro caps to uh, some very nice newsboy. It's caps a lasting there. impression. Yeah. Um, um, I think that they're building a statue of you. Uh, so we have worked together three di- three different times. Yeah, we started out. Yeah, at it ain't the- over yet. Yeah, who knows? Uh, we started out at the wrap uh, and then move o- moved over to Variety together, and then came back to the wrap together. So wh- I don't know. You tell you tell the audience wh- how big of a pain am- in the ass am I to work with? <laughs> It's always worth it to work with difficult, talented people. I think that's uh, that would be my assessment of you, Jeff. No, yeah, we had a few. Di- I've watched you grow from, uh, you know, like a like a very very small time, uh, uh, you know, rap reporter to a somewhat less small time. Yeah, rap exactly. Reporter. Thank you, thank you very Although much. I think we. Yeah, no, uh, yes, I have been. Uh, I've been your boss. Three times, and uh, I, I don't know. Does it really feel that way? No, not like at all. Like, huh? I feel like more like I mean, I, if I was a teacher, I'd be the easy A teacher. I'm not that hard to please, really. It's pretty, right, right, right. I'd want. always sign up for your your Latin class or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which really turns into like study hall too. Uh, no, look, the only thing that I really ever had a problem with you was getting you to show up when I wanted you to show up. Yeah, I'm not was, a morning person. I wanted you there at 10 a.m. when everyone else got there, and they would all roll in, and it would be 10:05 and 10. 10.07 and 10.11. Where the hell is Jeff? I don't know. I'm going to text him. You know, there's always something going on Guys, in the morning. This this show is the only thing I can show up on time for in life. <laughs> That's right. The irony being that you like, were, yeah, Jeff was texting me. I think uh, every every five minutes this morning, making sure that I was going to be here yeah. on time. I was very I was very nervous that yeah. like I'd, I'd you know show in, show up here at nine and you'd be like, oh shit, that's today. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, yeah, you you know me well enough that you and, have to remind and me. And so now you are over at Mashable. How long have you been at Mashable? Almost a year to the day. It's been about a year and a couple of weeks. And how how do you like it? How do you like being out of the trade space? So I actually speak? really like it because I still get to kind of play in that sandbox just a little bit. I mean, I don't look. I don't beat the bushes like you guys and try to get scoops and stuff like that. But I watch that space very carefully, and I also know how to mop up. So you know, if I see somebody break something that I feel like, eh, I should probably confirm that. I sort of know where to go. Um, do you like taking the time to sort of be able to ki- consider? stories more and put them in context and, and do that kind of like personal reaction to the news i like the freedom to be able to do that but i think you guys kind of do that anyway i mean you do that in real time it used to be that we would take our time and step back and put our take on things but now it's like we want that stuff like that hot take stuff has got to be immediate right mm-hmm. so you know um it's a different world and, and what we're trying to do is do viral content and build a big audience and and you know this kind of uh 
movie news in particular, TV developments, stuff like, you know, the new coach show goes really well with our audience. But casting doesn't necessarily fly unless it's attached to uh, an existing character or right, a franchise property. Exactly. Right? And uh, so, you know, I don't quite follow it to to the grain like I used to, but but it's something I definitely keep a, a foothold in. And I watch what you guys do all the time. I mean I'm you know, I'm I'm interacting with you guys on Twitter all the time, so you know, I'm still kind of in it. I'm just not really in the fight anymore. And I think that uh that world look that's a that's a tough place to carve <laughs> out a living, man. The way that you guys go about your jobs, I know how stressful it is and how competitive it is and how difficult it is to succeed. And so, yeah, it's kind of nice to be an observer slash participant uh, as opposed to being deep in the muck with it. All right. Well, we, we, we do miss you in the trade space, but you have been killing it at Mashable. Um, uh, and guys, don't forget to tweet this link out. Uh, spread the word to your followers because we're going to get into some crazy stuff right about now. Where should we start? Let's go with the um, the Infinity War news, the Russo brothers being confirmed to direct. How, how do you feel about this? I... I liked Winter Soldier. I actually didn't like it as much the first time as I did the second time and okay. the third time. It I kind of grew on me. I felt like, okay, I'm, I'm starting to get my head around this. Because um, it's a lot of moving parts and it's a very complex structure, which I think Infinity War is going to be. I mean, look, if you read the comics, you know it will be sort of roughly based on the Infinity series where it's just a showdown with Thanos, but you're bringing in all the elements of the Marvel Universe are slamming together at the same time. The Guardians are going to be involved. Captain Marvel is going to be involved. All those Phase 2 characters are going to be coming together. So, you know, uh, my only problem with the Russo brothers, seriously, is that they've done one one. Right. And it's it was but, good. Mm-hmm. But they don't have this, But they're like, doing Civil War, which is going to be kind of huge. I think that will be yes. That's all, it's, it, yes. It's interesting it that after after you know Avengers uh, three and four or whatever, um, they will have done four Marvel movies, which is the most, right? Right. Uh, it's it's just fascinating, and, and we don't really know where the Marvel universe is going after that. Right. That's an interesting endpoint to me because I, what do they do at that point? Do they just keep rolling in new people and rolling out the old ones, or you know that that's that's kind of the big mystery right now that's hanging in the Marvel world is where do they go after Phase three? Right. Um, phase four. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> or it could be just back to a new phase one. Sure, sure. Um, I thought it was interesting. Latino Review had a scoop this week that uh, Marvel would like Adam McKay to direct some kind of Marvel movie. Probably, maybe the Inhumans. I have no idea. Wasn't he in the mix for Ant Man? He was. He was, but in the end, he was just like, I just, I'll, I'll rewrite the script, but I'm not going to direct this. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I mean, look, it's a formula that's worked. With the Rooster Brothers going from comedy into into action, um, I think it's, uh, you know, McKay, I don't know, which one would you give him? I mean, that's what's kind of weird about it. Which which character would you attach him to? But, I, I you know, um, I think that Marvel has such an iron lock on the way that their movies turn out that it almost kind of doesn't matter who your director is. It's going to be, it's going to have a certain quality to it as long as Kevin Feige is there. Well, I, I I think that uh, we're going to be getting directors for Black Panther and um, Captain Marvel soon, uh, probably before the summer. So okay, it's going to be uh, an, an interesting couple of months. Um, that should take care of us on on the Marvel side of things. There wasn't anything else, was there? Uh, we can jump we can jump studios over to X Men. Which uh, this is just a little scooplet that I wanted to drop. I mean, Ooh, so I we like had when you do this. so we had Lana Condor cast as Jubilee. In yes, in X Men Apocalypse, I have never heard of Jubilee. I've never heard of the actress. What I mean, do you know who Jubilee is? Just tangentially, I'm not an X Men guy. You okay, know, it's, I, I fall very much on the Avengers side of the Marvel equation, um, and the Guardians. So I, I'm not that familiar with her. But you know, I mean, it was a it was a big deal. It was the number one trending thing on Facebook. Sure, that day. sure. Well, uh, you know, our little scooplet that I did want to drop today is that um, I, I do know that Fox right now is casting Psylocke. Oh, okay. Yeah. Again, another character where it's like, I know that these are big deal characters, and it was funny, I was talking with a friend uh, who, who you know, and being like, I've never heard of this Jubilee. He's like, bro, you got to get it together. Like, these are big <laughs> deals. Um, <laughs> so, know so, so, you know, I think that Psylocke will be the next um, B-team mutant, so to speak, that Brian Singer unveils on his Instagram feed. Are they trying to do a Marvel-style universe-building thing with X-Men? I mean, is that what's going on with that and with the Channing Tatum movie? And well, like I our- think what's interesting is, you know, we saw recently that Jennifer Lawrence came out and said... 
you know, this is going to be her last X-Men movie, which is interesting. Um, so I, I think that they know that they're losing that sort of crew soon. And which, I don't know which, you know, which ones exactly. Maybe it's just Jennifer Lawrence. But I'd be curious to see, like, how long Nick Holt has signed up and, you right. know, th- those kinds of people. Yeah. And I, again, look, with these superhero properties, it's so not about the actor unless it's Robert. I mean, I, Chris Evans is getting there. Robert Downey Jr. is definitely there. But you can start to interchange people. It just doesn't, it's not going to stop these these steamroller franchises. It's mm-hmm. just not, it really doesn't matter that much. Speaking of Nick Holt, um, again, no no real information here yet, but I, I know Warner Brothers loves this kid. They have seen, obviously, seen his performance in Mad Max. Uh, and he, he plays a pretty interesting character in that film. And I, I know Warner Brothers is really pleased and they're trying to find something big for him. I saw the sizzle reel that they showed at Comic Con last summer. And Nick Holt's, I don't know, 10, 15 seconds on screen mm-hmm. was the most indelible mark that anything made on me out of Comic-Con that year. I mean, I was like, more than the giant firestorm, more than the crazy vehicles, like just his, him, you know, inhaling spray paint and driving into the, into the madness was something that uh, will haunt my nightmares that movie looks gorgeous i can't wait to see it it comes out in may i think and it's going to be over uh it can it's an interesting uh, place exciting yeah yeah. interesting place to to uh premiere that film but But it looks like there's a certain artistry to it that that maybe puts it above other summer blockbusters yeah and they've done a lot i mean we've seen a lot of animated movies and fun movies uh premiere over there so it's not such a stretch but that movie in, of of all the sort of X Factor movies that are out there that you know you know what you're going to get with Avengers and you know what you're going to get with Star Wars kind of but like that even though there's plenty of Mad Mad Max in the canon there's just something about that that feels really fresh and like it's going to be a pretty wild ride I'm, yeah I'm very looking forward to that movie um okay so we hit uh, Infinity War and X Men let's move on to the next gigantic franchise Star Wars oh, this week there is a rumor going around that Ben Mendelsohn <laughs> is being eyed uh, for a you know a huge role in Rogue One, the spinoff that Gareth Edwards is doing with Felicity Jones. What did you think of that? Well, I've just started to get to know him by watching Bloodline on Netflix. Okay, yeah. Do you like it? I love it. I think yeah. it's great, but I kind of like that Florida noir genre because I'm a huge Travis McGee. Right, swampy. Fan. Yeah. Fan. Um, you know, he is so creepy on that show, and I've only I've seen him in a couple. <laughs> just other just on that show, though. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. He, and he just and what I've heard though is that in person he's very charming. He and, was. He, guy blew me away at Sundance. Yeah, like we did an interview uh, with him for Mississippi and, Grind. Yeah, yeah, super handsome and like charming guy, and yet plays these incredibly creepy characters. He does that sort of broken, drunk, you know, half drunk, pill addicted mm-hmm. character. Better than anybody I've ever seen. I mean, I, I, <laughs> that's a, who he's playing in Star Wars. I would have, <laughs> exactly. They have Oxy, uh, Cotton in Star Wars and it's a huge problem. Um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's gonna be the bad guy. That's what I would assume. He could it? be a bad guy. He could be a mentor of sorts, like the sort of a drunken mentor who, who gets pulled out of retirement to pull <laughs> off some thing with, you know, Felicity Jones. Who knows? Or Ben Mendelsohn. He's just I'm always... just speculating because I don't know the Star Wars like role at all. I just know like archetypes of characters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. He's not. He, I, I've not seen him in like an action role, so I don't really know if he can like wield a lightsaber and bounce around and be and look sort of cool that way. But. uh but he's a hell of an actor. He is. No he's amazing. Love him in Place Beyond the Pines. Uh, Mississippi Grind is his first real leading role. Um, and I would encourage people to check it out. It's not It's not my favorite movie from uh, Fleck and Bowden, but um, it's good. Uh, so, yeah, Ben Mendelsohn, kind of exciting. Uh, I, hey, look, anytime you, you throw an actor into the Star Wars world, you know that's 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 going to be of course. A, a big and I, deal. I tried it? to have fun with uh, with our story too. You know, I was like Ben Mendelsohn's going to be playing someone who's older than Felicity Jones. Exclusive. <laughs> Boy, did you get it for that? Jesus, the internet was like, dude, Cords is going to be. <laughs> you got it for that, or, or or the whole like, well, he could be playing a CGI alien, and maybe that alien's seven years old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what happens though when you start to assign yeah, meaning no... to things. Mm-hmm, You're mm-hmm. just going to catch hell for it. And then um, you know, I was like a plot. Details are being kept in a insert, you know, Star Wars reference here that only <laughs> diehard fans will understand. Just because, like, I, I, Boris Kit does a great job of that over at Hollywood Reporters. Like, plot details are being kept in a locker on Tatooine. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know what any of that shit means. Uh, 
<laughs> I would like, I would love to have that knowledge to yeah. be able to draw upon. But. Yeah, the uh, the plans are being transported across space in a uh, right. in a spice freighter. Um, okay, moving on. We we're, we're going to hit these topics hard today. All right, we're, man, just keep it rolling. Yeah, um, Fifty Shades of Grey. Sam Taylor Johnson officially not coming back, <sighs> which I tweeted four weeks ago. I don't, that, like, yeah, like we all just I assumed that was all true and known I, I, and left it behind I and don't now under- it's an exclusive I don't on under- Deadline. You know what else was an exclusive on Deadline <laughs> this week? The Oscar producers aren't coming back after what? they basically go on Twitter and they're like we're not coming back. Yeah, <laughs> well, but look, it's never official until right. it's on Deadline. Exactly. <laughs> and it never actually happened until it's yeah. <laughs> no, nothing you know, is, Pixar didn't nothing happen. is real until Pete Hammond reports it. <laughs> Pixar, um, yeah, Pixar didn't happen is, is pretty much not just Deadline or it didn't happen. So right? Sam Taylor Johnson exiting Fifty Shades of Grey, uh, is that a good thing, a bad thing i don't think she could have come back i mean everything we've heard about the dynamics on that with, her and, with her and uh el and i mean el is not going anywhere no and yeah. she, isn't she really did she really say she wanted to direct it i mean or no, write, I she, wanted to write the script. Yeah. she wanted to write the script that's right which is equally as ridiculous <laughs> yeah. uh, you know why can't we just like let movie people who are experts at making movies do their jobs <laughs> why does right. everybody have to do everything <laughs> vertically these days uh i thought sam did a nice did a job, job with that movie. Yep. I thought she did the best movie she possibly could, yep. given what she was given. And, uh, you know, between her and the screenwriter, uh, you know, they, they actually made a watchable film out of something that, that was kind of unwatch, unreadable. I mean, mm-hmm. I couldn't get through the, I couldn't get to the good parts of that book because it was so bad. And I think there's a lot of people who had that experience. So, uh, I mean, again, just find, you know, get a skilled director. She's clearly very good, but just wasn't going to be able to do that again. Do you think that they should necessarily hire a female director? No, just I don't. the best person for the job. I always think you just hire the best person for the job. Sure, I- sure, but I mean, with Fifty Shades of Grey, I think it was kind of clear that they were going to hire a woman. Just like I, I guess here's another little scooplet: the Captain Marvel director is definitely going to be female. Is that right? Yeah, good. That's good. I'm, 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 I'm ninety five percent sure. Okay, I think I know. I think I know who it's going to be. Really? I just have a guess. It's just literally. Do you want to say it here? Or you want to protect it? I, I, it's not based on any knowledge, so I'll just say I think it's Angie. Okay, that's who I think it's going to be. Interesting. Yeah, I, uh, I, and that rumor has definitely been going around. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, you know, and we already heard, you know, that Marvel I didn't had know it was a rumor. twenty I million it was dollars. People talked about. No, there was an actual like okay, I think it was Us Weekly or OK Magazine or something that reported that Marvel had offered her twenty million dollars to direct it. Oh, I'm saying I've actually heard like in Hollywood that Angie was going to direct it, but I also I had heard recently that it was down to two female directors. So I would just be surprised if it was her. I don't think I don't just I I don't see her serving that studio's vision. She is kind of a filmmaker who does her own thing. I just feel like she tried the Oscar thing and. There had to have been some level Didn't. of disappointment yeah. on her part there. I know that she had some difficulty with that. Um, I get, I didn't realize that that was actually a rumor. I thought that was just something people were talking about. Like, wouldn't that be cool? Oh, I just, yeah, I no, just I... felt something about it felt right to me. I think it's a real rumor, but just because, I mean, there's only so many female directors who you really hear rumors about. You that's, know, it's that's like true. her and that's Catherine Bigelow. No one, and we like, no one's gossiping about Sam Taylor Johnson and what she might be doing. I'd like to see Biggs t- tackle that. What is she working on right now? Who knows? She's very secretive. She Catherine is very Bigelow. secretive. Um, I don't, you know, I, I, I actually think, uh, just to throw it out there, Liza Johnson would be interesting for Fifty Shades mm-hmm. of Grey. Um, you know, she's done a, a couple of movies just about strong female protagonists, like Return, or, you know, she did Hate Ship, Love Ship with Kristen Wiig and Haley Steinfeld. I just know she's a, a female director who, who is coming up within the studio system. What about Sophia? Sophia Coppola? Yeah. Doing Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah. Totally possible. Her next movie, The Little Mermaid, is at Universal. So it'd be interesting if they were like, listen, we will make your movie, but just do this one for us. Yeah. Maybe she'll do number three. It'd be interesting. It would be. I'd but love again, to see her take she's on not that. the type of filmmaker who I think is going to serve someone else's... It's not necessarily a fit for her, but I'd yeah. love to see it. Sure. It would be cool. Okay. Um, what happened? My computer. Uh, okay. Tell me about the Mad Men uh, premiere this week. I kind of wanted to hear about that. We're going to switch gears for a second. I have now TV. seen that episode twice. And I need to see it a third time because it is a, it is a very unusual Mad Men episode. I can't get my head around it. Uh, 
it's going to be a little there are, there are elements of it that are going to jolt you a little bit we were actually given very specific instructions of what not to talk about oh interesting like the plot it was, points, it was a list of, it was a list of five things that we were not allowed to talk about and i almost feel like by giving you the list of those things yeah no it, it would spoil those things so i can't say what they were that's fine um but they were very specific and you were you were dressed up huh like they, they encourage oh, yeah. you to come in in Mad Men period garb. Well, I, I mean it was a it was a formal ball, uh, black tie ball. So I just you know I I went for the early period Mad Men look, the uh, you know the the sixties look as opposed to I've tried to find a red plaid suit somewhere, but it's very difficult <laughs> yeah, to bet. do uh, to pull together on short notice. It was a black and red ball. It was really lovely. It was at the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion. The entire cast was there. They spent a lot of time on the red carpet, pretty much talking to everybody. Uh, it was their final time being together for really any reason, uh, so you probably will never have that group of people assembled again. Sure. The question that I... I got one question in, so I just asked everybody the same question. I asked them which character they thought would make a good spin-off. Right, I saw that, and I watched some of those, and you did it on Instagram, right? I did, yep. Okay. I did them all on Insta just because it was a 15-second video And who had, who, who had the best idea? Well, I actually think... I mean, it was funny. Two people picked Pete. Two picked Roger, and then Kiernan Shipka said that it should be Peggy. But honestly, my answer is it should be Kiernan Shipka. They should do a movie. I'm sorry, they a sh- should a show do a show about, her. about about yeah about Sally Draper like coming up in what the it would be the yeah, 70s? Like a te- uh, coming into teenhood in the early 70s, having to deal with her crazy family. You right. know, you have all this opportunity to, good. to backfill the Don Draper story. But also, you know, her own... I mean, she's just very compelling on that show. I don't know. Something about her characters, to me, one of the most... See, magnetic. I've only... I'm, I'm, I don't watch Mad Men, so I've only seen about six to eight episodes from the first season. Oh, she was she was a little girl. She's a, yeah, she's a kid. So, yeah. I, uh, interesting, though. So, I wanted to have a, a conversation today, guys, about crediting. Okay? Oh, no, boy. And it's um, a big thing right now. It's a huge thing, um, and and uh, you know, particularly there's been a lot of talk about crediting deadline, which doesn't often recognize people for their for their hard work. Um, but you know, we're going to start things off with just you know a little bit of, uh, of an incident that happened yesterday with Roger Friedman over at Showbiz Four One One, who I really like. You know, I think um, we are both kindred spirits in a sense, Roger and I. Uh, and he broke a great story yesterday about Viola Davis um, doing some courtroom drama called Custody that the author of Into the Woods is going to write and direct. Um, and obviously, you know, she is going to do Suicide Squad next month. She's going to be playing Amanda Waller. Um, but I think, you know, if she can slip in this indie, uh, afterwards, which while still on hiatus from the show, she's going to do it. Um, so Roger broke the story and I know how Roger kind of gets with crediting. So I, it took me 12 calls to confirm this story. Uh, and I finally post it. And at the bottom of the story, I say Roger Friedman. So I mentioned him by name at Showbiz 411 broke the story. So he gets the credit. I linked to him as well. I did a hyperlink and mentioned him by name. That's three things. Okay. And I get a DM from Roger and he's like, you know, that, that, that mention should be higher up in the story. Uh, and I was like, what do you like? You know, when I do variety, hot reporter deadline, even Latino review, they all go at the bottom of the story, and the yeah. only reason when well, they don't do. to me is, you know, if, if like, I th- and I did this this week, I think Deadline got a really interesting quote from someone, and I wanted to use that quote mm-hmm. in my story, and so you have to credit them. So in the third or fourth paragraph, it's like so-and-so told Deadline, which broke the story. Right, so, which is fine. Right. So, you know, what is the proper method? You know, where did these mentions go? They go at the bottom to me, no? They go at the bottom if you are in that world... And you have the ability to confirm it yourself. Right. They go at the bottom. Right. If you're not in that world and you don't have the ability to confirm it yourself, you should put it up somewhere, you know, according to, so it doesn't seem like you've done your own reporting. Sure. That's fine. Yeah. And and every, you were fine. You did everything fine. Like, what well, you know, uh, when somebody dies, maybe, and, and TMZ reports it, and we can't get the confirmation right. yet. In the uh, lead. Right. Or, then yeah. it's in the lead, you know? Um, if you don't have your own confirmation, I think it goes in the first or second paragraph for sure. Totally agree. But yeah, it's like, Roger, I did this reporting on my own. What more do you want from me, guy? Bubby, I love you. <laughs> yeah, he's... And he's like, so... you, you disappointed me. And I'm like... Oh, for Pete's sake. Yeah, you know, come, he'll get come over on, it. man. Yeah, you know, he'll get over it. I mean, that's just... I think... I hate to say it because I respect Roger and his everything he's done, but... Yeah. I think that's just him being a little naive. 
about sort of how this game works and just not doing it that much. Like, sure, not doing sure. And I really like him too. I, uh, and, and he's he's been around a long time, and and yeah. and now he's you know he's kind of doing his own thing, which is great. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I I was just a little and and you know Devin uh and obviously we're, we we love Devin on the show. He called me out this week for not crediting him immediately on the Russo brothers, uh, you know, the Infinity War stuff. And really, it was just that I got the confirmation. I wanted to get one or two paragraphs out there, and I hadn't built the story yet. So he's like, don't look at the rap not crediting. I'm like, I'm not done yeah, give me with a the beat. story. Give me 10 to 15 minutes. And it was there, and it was linked, you know, yeah. like... Yeah, it's, it's got some... There's a little bit of optics at play here, right? Because if you're putting out two paragraphs... You know, and you have done the confirmation or you've done your own work. Sure. You have, then if the credit is in there, then it essentially defaults to that third paragraph because you're only putting out two paragraphs. I, plus it's just, you know, you're trying to make up every second you possibly can when you're in the moment. Right. I don't feel like, you know, again, people get, I think people, listen, it's, what happened is the climate has gotten so toxic with crediting and that's, largely credit to deadline who has made everybody hypersensitive about it right uh that it, that it's the first thing we're looking for as soon as you break a story you start seeing who's picking it up who's picking it up are they crediting me it's just it's just the nature of our our paranoid uh uh industry here so you know i mean i do the same thing like when i uh, any any time you, you you break something, you just start immediately see, you're looking around, and and you want to you know you 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 reflexively call people out. So you know yeah, like we could all probably if, if everybody just played nice and sort of understood the rules, like we right. could just this would not be such and a I, thing. I, I, I we've changed you know our own policies of the rap. I credit the Hollywood Reporter now. I feel like everybody and, and you don't you guys it kills me it kills me when I have to credit Deadline probably twice a day. Um, but you know, they're breaking major stories and, and it's just the right thing to do. So as much as it kills me and I have to grin my, grit my teeth and bear it, you have to do it. It does seem like there is a movement afoot though. And I have decided to participate in this and I won't get too much into right. it. Right. Ain't it cool does it too, I think. Where it's like, if they're not going to give, look, if they're not going to respect Latino review, which has now broken how many stories in the past couple of year, year right. or a couple a of months, I mean like mm-hmm. a lot, like they're on a roll right now. Like they're not dabbling. They're here. They've established themselves. They have credibility in the marketplace. Everybody else credits them. Why are they holding the line on this? Right. It, it, it's, it's, and, and what it is is there's an arrogance about not crediting anyone ever that says what, what the message behind that is, is we break more news than you guys do. We're better at this than all of you. We're the best. So we don't really need to play nice with you. We can just be assholes. Right. And it doesn't really affect us. Mm hmm. That has been my issue with them since the very beginning. It's like, and I don't know if it's a holdover from from Mike and Nelly's trade days, where you know, and back then the trades did not credit. Did we credit when we were at Variety? I don't think we did. We we started to maybe, but I don't think certainly not to the Hollywood Reporter. No. Variety and Hollywood Reporter never really credited each other. They just recently did. Oh, they've started Start. doing. I think it. they do. Well, good. Now. I mean, yeah. I never thought that was right. I just, I just didn't do it because they didn't do it. It was this weird but, arms. But like race. back in the day, you know, I think even before you got to Variety, there was no crediting. Yeah, of any kind. Basically, yeah. yeah. It's very arrogant. I don't. I mean, and it's just also old fashioned. These days, we, you know, this group of people that, when we all know each other now, like I just feel like you got to give me fifteen to. Fifteen minutes. Fifteen yeah, minutes exactly. to do a right through of my story, and I promise that the attribution will be there. Yeah, because you know I, I I know how sensitive I get. And Roger was like, "Dude, you you complain all the time." It's like I complain when I'm not credited, right? Or if the credit goes to someone else because people are just lazy and they're just checking deadlines. Right. So they're that's where they saw the first thing they see. Um, so a couple of controversies this week. We're we're okay. We got some time. Um, there are two in particular I wanted to discuss. One is the Get Hard controversy. Oh boy, have you seen the movie? I have not. seen the film i know okay. i mean i've read so much about it though i feel like i have yeah i mean honestly i think it was really drew mcweeney uh just hit fix in general uh really leading the charge um i think it was louis vertel who had asked uh kevin hart and, and will ferrell a pretty interesting question i saw the film this week i laughed a lot i'm not gonna lie i thought it was pretty funny it was also very racist and homophobic. Yeah. Particularly homophobic. And I think I sat, sat next to two uh, gay critics, and they were mortified. They were like, what the fuck are we watching? I can't believe that this exists in 2015. Yep, here's the thing. Uh, it's funny. We, a colleague of mine, 
we were talking about this a long time ago. Mm-hmm. The gay sex joke, which is in almost every comedy at this point. Yep. The, you know, the aversion to gay sex. Oh, you're gay. No, you're gay. We saw it in the interview. We saw it. You see, you see it in every comedy. It's time has come. It's <laughs> it's over. The joke is not funny anymore. It's just the way it is. We have evolved to this point where that joke no longer is appropriate. And yet it's continuing to happen. And what get get hard's unfortunate position is that they are gonna be the one that everybody's gonna point to and go, That movie is you know, it's not it's not that movie's fault. It's just the tipping point. It's or? just the tipping point. It was it was too much at the right time. And and I think you're in the same way that I think Exodus Gods and Kings is probably the last film where we'll ever see of just a bunch of white actors in in roles that were you know historically meant <laughs> right. for not, a completely not. different ethnicity and that's a good thing that you know this is a good this is good it's this evolution is, this is progress we're right evolving, yeah you know th- this is not the time to shake your fist to get hard this is time to put your hand in the air and say thank god we're finally recognizing that this is an old-fashioned outmoded joke that we need to stop making now i'm sure other people will continue to make it but they're going to be viewed as behind the times. And Hollywood isn't stupid. If if Get Hard has problems and there's controversy around it and it doesn't do that well, just like Exodus, Gods and Kings had some serious box office problems. I think you somewhat attribute, attribute that to the controversy. Um, they'll stop making the joke. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, this is how this is how change happens is when something is just, just gets to the, a point where we're all just like, ugh, enough. And, you know, so it's a good thing. This is... It, it, it's, it's, it's time. Well, I am... I'm a big believer in free speech, and, and I'm not the ty- kind of guy who wants to say what is appropriate and what is not appropriate for a, a comedy. Um, so I would side with Kevin Hart and Will Ferrell in that they are totally, you know, allowed to sort of make this kind of movie. And, you know, when Louis Vertel asked that question, um, I think Will Ferrell had just sort of said, like, these are just sort of the societal norms, whether we like it or not. And, you know, we didn't invent them. They're just kind of the way it is. So I won't sort of fault them for that. And I, and I, I think that there is still a place for gay jokes. Um, but when your entire movie is made up of those, that's a problem. Yeah. That's where I sort of fall on that. I mean, you're talking about, you know, we're, we're acting like something that somebody does as just a part of their life. Uh, that's a just completely normal part of their life is like the worst thing that could possibly happen to you. Right. Well, th- yeah, that's that is weird. That's that's a premise it's, of the movie. It's it's a fear of the penis. Yeah, it's just really <laughs> And I guess guys think, you know, guys laugh, you know, out of homophobia or uncomfortableness and and women laugh too because let's face it, the male penis is hideous, right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> they like, have the right to be the right to be. <laughs> that's terrified. why some people are gay and some people are straight because they have different preferences and aversions that's just the way we're wired (laughs) but to act like it's some kind of like you know horrible uh death sentence is just i i agree we're beyond beyond that and you know what hot tub time machine 2 did it too or it's just the worst thing in the in the world of hot tub time machine 2 is gay sex that uh, that scene i thought you know went over like lead it was not very funny the craig robinson stuff um Okay, the other controversy, and, and we don't need to dwell on it, but this week, Deadline's Nelly Andreva just got ripped for an article on diversity. Um, I enjoyed reading that. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, I felt bad for her in a sense, because I don't think that, that Nelly is a racist or anything, I, but I think that, yeah, she basically let a lot of unnamed sources sort of dictate a certain agenda because they're, you know, it's agents and managers and they all probably have more white clients than, than black clients or whatever. Um, it just felt very misguided and tone deaf. There might even be a grain of truth to the, the notion that, you know, that there's a, that there's a, like a corrective period happening here and fine, good. Like that's the, the, the problem is that we, we, somebody looked at that and said, well, wait, no, that's, that's, this is too much. Like, you don't know that it's too, there is no too much. That's right. such an arbitrary thing to even think, and, let alone say. And guys, remember on iTunes just to, to rate, subscribe, tweet this link out because um, we're, we're we're just warming up here. That's right. We still we're got the plenty of show. We're getting into the good stuff. Now. Um, yeah. So so back to this deadline controversy. I mean, I I just don't know. Like when she said the pendulum has swung too far, and now it needs to swing back in that, favor of that's white people. The most it's, ridiculous thing. Yeah, I don't. No, Nelly. I've not met her. I only know her body of work, uh, having read countless 
hundreds of stories of hers, and they all sort of strike me the same way. Very dispassionate, sort of almost robotic, just delivery of what I'm being told. Mm -hmm. I think there's some element of that here. It doesn't excuse Nellie. Nellie's not stupid. She she thinks, you know, critically. Uh, honestly, I think the problem here is with any problem problematic news story that like this that shows up anywhere is that there wasn't a filter. The, the filter was right. Was she, not she is the enough. she is the editor, the TV editor, and so yeah. she probably didn't submit it to anyone or get another pair of eyes on that article. Someone who may have been, said maybe we should reconsider some of this and some of the language. I think the term ethnic was used more than twenty times. Yeah, I mean, I think again, what, every time I read that site, I'm like, do they have editors? Uh, but um, you know, and they do. Uh, but I don't think that 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 story, something of that nature, should go through multiple senior editors at a at a publication like right. that. I think Deadline is incredibly lean and nimble and they just they write stuff and and maybe one other person who's posting it and putting links and photos in takes a look at it and it's just like hey, you know, she outranks me by a good piece. I'm not I'm, who am I to say let's take a step back and it went out. And you've seen you've seen I mean, look, Mike's gotten himself into trouble with stuff like this right. before. Right. Anti-woman stuff or whatever. I'll put it, you know, I, I not to defend Nelly necessarily, but the 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 central premise of the article is not necessarily off base. Just that you know, I have I live. My roommate is a white actor. I have you know white actor friends, and they were basically telling me that this pilot season was just it seemed different than others because they couldn't get auditions. And if they weren't, if you don't have leading man looks as a white guy. There are, you know, you can't, you couldn't get an audition because all those quirky uh, supporting roles and character actor parts or whatever were going to minority actors. Now that's fine, especially when a lot of the, they're making more shows that, you know, feature minorities, whether yeah. it's the Uncle Buck movie, uh, I mean, TV show, whatever it is. Um, but I certainly have heard the same complaints from, from, from white actors. It's just the message, I think, got a little botched in yeah. delivery. And, yeah, and, totally botched. And, and to those white actors that say, man, how does it feel? Yeah. How do you like it? Right. <laughs> you know? Like. Mm -hmm. and, and Frank, but it's like, you know, we talk about colorblind casting a lot here. Um, it, colorblind casting doesn't just mean, you know, get, giving roles to, to minorities. It means really just not thinking about race and, and just letting the best person uh, get the role. And, and I... I don't know. Like, uh, There's, I mean, even that that has some pitfalls in it because you start to think, well, you know, okay, this, this story is about a white guy who lives in a white neighborhood. You just chant, you know, most people around him are going to be white. So, you know, here we go. Let, let's see who we got. Like, you, you do have to to make something to make change in a situation. And when we look at the casting situation, and when you look at the director's situation, you know, it's out of whack. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's out of whack. Absolutely. We, no matter how you feel about this, the numbers don't And, and these are growing audiences, the, the minority audiences. Well, also, I mean, look at a show like Empire, for crying out loud. Right, I exactly. All, That's I, the breakout was, TV hit of the season. I, I, I was waiting for that day of the week to come around, too. And, mm -hmm. I, I mean, look, I, I couldn't get any whiter. I'm from Minnesota, for crying out loud. <laughs> Um, There's been a lot of examples of Jane the Virgin, Blackish, uh, a lot of, uh, what is it, Fresh Off the Boat? Right. A lot of breakout hits that aren't starring white people, so why wouldn't you serve that clearly hungry audience? And this is how, this is how Hollywood works. And when, right. when, when it starts making, making money, it starts making sense on the bottom line to do it that, oh, everybody's just all, you know, I yeah. mean, you know, any, but that's the, re it has gone so far that any, that now the reality is that, that you, you do a, a, a show with an ethnic cast very well. And we are like, well, that looks different. This is, this is really interesting. Empire was fascinating to me. Uh, and I don't, I don't particularly like hip hop music. Right. And I don't like soap operas. And I think network combination shows is are cheesy. But this was like the first time I saw this. It was like an electric live wire. I was like, this is interesting and fascinating, and I have to stay on this on this wave. Well, I, I just you know the term uh, ethnic or whatever is funny because a lot of people pointed out, well, you know, white or Caucasian, that's an ethnicity too. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, and, and and but again, just to keep in mind, you know, I saw Cynthia Littleton at Variety um, wrote something on her Facebook. You know, one one don't let one mistake sort of define a, a person. And Nellie's reputation, while it certainly maybe took a hit, it shouldn't destroy her reputation. She has you know decade uh, I don't know two or three decades in the trenches here. Um, I don't know. That's I, I a just, tough one, though. That was a tough. 
sure, really a tough it's, one to it's tough back to defend. It is, but um, you know, I thought Nelly she came right back yesterday and was dropping TV things. She didn't hide from it. Yeah, um, I mean, look, she hasn't Amy, addressed Amy, Amy it. Pascal right, Pascal went through this. Amy Pascal just went through this, of course. And she came right out. I don't know if you saw her do her, that interview um, uh, with Tina Brown, but you know, she she addressed it head on. But that that night after after her emails about Obama came out, she was at the the interview premiere, you know, in a public place. Right. I mean, you know, I think, yes, when you sort of cower and you circle the wagons and you issue wishy-washy apologies and you go you go dark for a while, I think that's much worse. I think the, the much better play is to come out. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. What's, I don't think, I think, I think Nelly, I think everybody who works there, I think you could replace every single person at deadline with the leadership of ISIS and they would still break all the news in town <laughs> and people would, there was, there's nothing that but you could do to, to bring either that Either way, down. I thought, I did think it was a classy move on, on Cynthia's part to have her friends back. And if I, you know, I guess I'm the next like, most likely person to do something like that. I'd hope you, <laughs> I hope you'd have my back too. Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> At least not on that. Um, okay. So we're going to, we're going to do some quick hits. We got about 10 minutes left in the show. Um, Bradley Cooper to direct A Star is Born. Do we need another one of these movies? Because I, I say yes. This feels like one of those projects that's going to fall apart to me, but I don't know. I mean, how engaged is it? Again, Warner Brothers has been trying to make this movie for the better Forever. part of a decade. I remember us reporting on this back in the early days of Variety. It is, um, oh yeah, of course. And, you know, we heard a different, you know, we heard like 18 million people. It was like Tom Cruise yeah. and Christian Bale. And, uh, but Bradley Cooper, it's just an interesting choice to make your directorial debut with because normally maybe you would do a smaller movie and then go do a bigger studio movie like that. Um, but he, you know, he, the guy's coming off American Sniper. It's a huge hit for them. He's swinging for the fences and obviously they're trying to get Beyonce. Feels like the right movie. It feels like the right time. I don't think every actor should try to be a director. Right. But I actually think that Bradley Cooper is pretty bright mm-hmm. and gets it and, you know, maybe could do pretty well with this. I think that working with Clint probably really inspired him. And right. wasn't Clint right? He was, yeah, he was, a, he was a really attached yeah. to direct. Yep. So it, it all kind of makes sense to me. I actually, like, I'm, I kind of rooting for Bradley in this case. Okay. I, and I get irritated when actors want to, it's like, can't you just let, the director's direct, you know, like, why do we have to be, do all the stuff? Right. Can't you be? Well, everyone wants to be Ben Affleck these days. That's the thing. <sighs> it's including me. Stay in your lane. I just, I mean, he's such a great actor. Let's get, that's, you know, this movie he's going to direct is going to be one less role that he's going to do. And it's going to be one two, less. Two or three less roles. I mean, this is, that's you know. Right. It takes, it, that's right. It's a lot more energy. Yeah, you got prep, movie. you got post. This isn't just the shoot. And it's also one less job that a director who is a, dedicated director is going to get that's a silly thing for me to really quibble about but it it does it it just gets under my skin a little bit okay uh again this is the lightning round super troopers 2 yay or nay oh sure why not why didn't they do it earlier why did they have to kickstart that movie yeah they couldn't get million dollars yeah that was surprising i mean fox searchlight could find two million dollars in the couch cushions what what, like why are we going to the public with this they, they definitely have a fan base um i actually was not the biggest Super Troopers fan. I, re- I remember liking like the first half an hour of that movie, and then it kind of it was like a one joke kind of thing. Well, it feels like a TV show that went on for, 90 and it minutes. should be a TV show. Why yeah. not? Those Broken Lizard would be perfect for yeah. a TV show. That'd be a great Netflix series or something like that, right? That should just go to Fox. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. We're going to yeah, get it. it tw- 24 to 48 hours, it had its $2 million. So who knows how big this movie's budget gets. They could have like a, a $20 million Super Trooper sequel. <laughs> if well, people Ver- keep giving. Veronica Mars made its $2 million in a day. And right. they wound up with, I think, 57 mm-hmm. And so their budget was around $10 million. Okay. And that movie, so and I'm a huge three. Veronica Mars fan. This is my favorite TV show of all time. And? Without question. The movie was a, it was fun. Yeah, I got through 75 minutes of it and turned it off. It was a fun reunion. That was about all I got out of it, and I didn't make that much okay. money. Okay. Uh, Oscar producers. Who, who would you like to see take over? Marin and uh, Zayden are out. Thank s- God. I saw somebody say, who was it said yesterday? Maybe it was Poland, who said, let Apatow do it. Yeah, he'd be interesting. Sure. Some, but somebody with a name. Tell, even ca- even Tim Gray, but Tim Gray actually yesterday suggested John Skipper at ESPN, which was actually not a bad call at all. That's it. He's a really funny he's, guy. He's done a lot of, li- you really know, he sharp. knows live TV. Yeah. And people, you know, Tim was saying how people don't think of the show as live TV. It's that's, not, it's not a movie. A super point because a lot of the, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, a lot of the producers we've seen along the are these guys with, uh, with Oscar, pe- or with right, movie mo- pedigree. Right. Exactly. Not TV pedigree. Interesting. But, uh, but Apatow would be a great call. 
I think. He, I don't think he'll do it. It's just too much time. And, and uh, honestly, you know, Brett Ratner. Brett Ratner was going to yeah, do it before. Give him, his, he, give him his shot. He put his foot in his mouth. He made one gay joke, not yeah. like Get Hard, um, and, and paid the price. Uh, so I would kind of love to see him get another shot at it because I think he'd be fun. He did his time... I'm not a big Brett Ratner fan, but uh, I, I love him. something. I mean, I'm not like a I'm not a hater on Brett Ratner. He's, like he's a, he's a he's a nice guy in person. He's, have I told you? He, he talked to my mom after a junket. I put him. I was like, Mom, I just interviewed Brett Ratner. I was like in college, and and, and I was like, he's right behind me right now. And, and, <laughs> and he went on with her. Yeah, he talked to my mom. He seems so like I'll always super, like Brett Ratner. For he that seems reason. like a gamer and like a super hard worker and a smart. You know, like all the things you want somebody to be and mm. yeah that i mean that comment was super unfortunate because i should because i really don't think that that i would have been psyched for like eddie you know for eddie murphy to put potentially host or yeah. whatever the plan was but okay we got about five minutes left in the show josh um idris elba star trek 3 as a villain or something like that yeah i think so possibly klingon who knows i don't know man we just can we just get this guy a movie franchise like that's His not own. Bond. that's not bond yeah by the way because bond is boring for him like ooh, he'd be a great bond yes he would be a great bond but i he would be a great something completely different like he's a leading man he's a leading man mm-hmm. just no question about it you know he'd be kind of interesting for this book um and i was reading the sequel during ju- jury duty and wasn't that good but Beat the Reaper, which uh, DiCaprio has had the rights to for ages, and they were going to do it as a movie, and then an HBO series or miniseries or something. Um, but it's this really cool book, Beat the Reaper. I think Idris Elba would be perfect for that and could potentially be a franchise. I would have loved him as Travis McGee. I'm yeah, that would have been interesting. Of Travis McGee. He would have a black Travis McGee. Bring it. And it that's going to be Christian Bale. Um, yeah. But even, you know, Green, Green Lantern, who hasn't been cast yet, right? Yeah, that's true. He'd be but interesting. One, yeah, but once again, we're just we're shoving him into an existing. I don't know. Right. I, I'd like to just. And I'm not saying this has to be an original character necessarily, mm-hmm. but like, he's just one of those guys. Who I feel like Hollywood hasn't figured out what to do with yet. He's just too. You know, I hear you. He's he's too good to, to to be doing the stuff that they're that they're putting him into at this point, and you know he's not getting any younger. Like let's get let's get this guy into something. Like he should be Brad Pitt level. Yeah, people celebrity. love him. I mean, every, I don't hear anybody say like, "Oh, I, I don't like Idris Elba." Um, Key uh, and Peele's substitute teacher. Do you watch Key and Peele? No. Have I you don't. ever seen the sketch? I know a little bit. I mean, yeah, I've 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 read about it. But Th- those guys are going to be huge movie stars. You um, think so? Yeah, I think they're going to be like, uh, you know, J- maybe not Judd Apatow level producers, but I think that they're going to be a brand, like the Duplass brothers, almost in a sense. Like I didn't Key mean to sound so, I didn't mean to sound so surprised because I know how talented they are and I yeah. know how funny they are. I'm they're, not a, a regular watcher of the show. I really want Police Academy uh, that that reboot to come together. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I, you know, I don't know if I see Substitute Teacher necessarily being a great movie. But um, it could be a lot of fun. I mean, it's kind of an S- it's R. like SNL style, you know, moving into the film. I mean, if it works, it works. It, it's it's been proven to work with SNL, so why not Key and Peele? <laughs> well, <laughs> there were a lot of SNL bombs too, of course. That's um, true. That wind up being cult hits, though. That's what's so weird about this movie. Are you a Chuck Palahniuk fan? Uh, yeah. Okay, yeah, they announced a lullaby movie, which I was kind of excited for. But there's, you know, I'd love to see Invisible Monsters or Survivor too. Um, real quick before we go, you saw the Furious Seven movie, yes, right? Yes, I did. <laughs> give, give us your thoughts because I still have not seen it. I was not supposed to see it, but I did see it. Ooh, you, you went to Vin Diesel's house. <laughs> <laughs> I was not supposed to see it because Universal doesn't want me to see it for some reason. Okay. Um, I just don't think they care about the critics seeing. It. I mean, they they set you know a seven p.m. AMC Burbank press yeah. screening. No, dude, that is deep in the valley. Yep, they are trying to discourage credits, which is dumb because critics like it. Everybody loves this franchise. Yeah, here's the okay. So I'm I'll, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. Okay, here I'm going to write. And, Steve, and before you get started, Steve, let us know how much time we have. I'm going to write t- two reviews. Yeah, two reviews coming. A good one. Yeah. And a bad one. Okay, I gonna, like that. I'm going to cross-link them. Wow. Without explanation. Uh-huh. Because I cannot figure out how to feel about this franchise. I have been stewing about it for a week. I, I think it's ridiculous that a movie that <laughs> people basically go to see these movies because they're bad. They're ridiculous, yeah. That's what they like about them yep. is how bad they are. Mm-hmm. And I can't, I just can't, and how corny they are. Like, people were howling at these lines of dialogue sure. that are meant to be very heartfelt and very you know uh and these stunts that are like clearly what you know they spend millions of dollars doing live action stunts that are just utterly ridiculous 
I can't... <laughs> right, it's like a car just, comes out of a plane onto a boat. <laughs> I can't buy in to that level of stupidity. It's like you gave the stupidest kid in class carte blanche to write scenes in a film and then we and then you know and then somebody spent a shitloads of money to put right. it on screen and we're just laughing at it and it'll make more in one we're, day than we'll ever we're make in mocking our it we're la- <laughs> nobody's taking it seriously and yet it's taking itself seriously and it's just it's just this mission i can't I wait can't to I, I can't wait to read those i'm probably going to see it opening weekend uh, with a group of friends um probably it's a fun time at the movies that's why it works people but people were laughing for all the wrong reasons i just reasons don't know and- what happened to like the grounded sort of action movie like a die hard where like technically everything in die hard was plausible and could happen in the real world those don't have those don't exist anymore they- we need we need crazy explosions yeah. and the cars great- with parachutes i mean i guess for a little while like the born franchise kind of went in that direction and you know like even bond kind of sort of veered into that for a little mm-hmm. while like casino royale but it's going the other direction again now it's just i mean that when you see the scene where the cars fly out of the airplane and land and then <laughs> i just make one point about furious seven and this won't spoil anything sure the whole the whole premise of the film they're chasing after this piece of technology that they need to catch jason statham right okay that's like the thing that's they're the going after. that's the MacGuffin. they're going after that hard in three separate situations, while they're chasing after that piece of technology, Jason Statham is right there. Right. He's there the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> and nobody's like, oh my God, there he is. Well, we can forget about that thing. No, they're just focused on getting the, the computer chip. It's it's just so ridiculous. Uh, I, can't I can't wait to yeah. see it um, uh, myself with a gigantic plate of nachos. Um, <laughs> I think uh, we have reached our time limit, folks. Um, remember to, you know, uh, rate and comment and subscribe on iTunes, all that fun stuff that Riley always uh, takes care of, so I'm not very elo- eloquent. Um, but thank you very much for coming up here, Josh. Where can it's we fun. find you on Twitter? I am at NotoriousJLD, as uh, I always have been. <laughs> 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 and it is a great Twitter feed. Do follow it. I am at the Insider. You can find him at Mashable. Myself at the Rap. Guys, have a great weekend. What comes out this weekend? I don't even know. Do they uh, have get, movies this get week? Hard, yeah, whatever. Get Hard is coming out this weekend. Um, oh boy. Yeah, we'll be back with Mark Riley next week. A hopeful news break. All that good stuff. <laughs> have a wonderful weekend. From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit PopcornTalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only, not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.